Welcome to the Options Save Lives weekly live stream, where we spend an hour each week exploring life-improving topics through a lens of alcohol recovery and the Sinclair Method. Every week, we take on a new question, topic, or common challenge to empower people to either build a better relationship with alcohol or to eliminate it completely. Episodes are filmed live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash c3foundation, and the audience is encouraged to ask questions and engage with the hosts and guests. The Option Save Lives weekly stream is hosted by Executive Director Jenny Williamson and is produced by the C3 Foundation with the support of R Street Institute and other generous sponsors. For more information about the C3 Foundation or the Sinclair Method, visit our website at c3foundation.org. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Thank you for tuning in to the Option Save Lives weekly live stream. As always, I'm Jenny Williamson, Executive Director at the C3 Foundation and your host for the next hour. How is everyone doing today? We are broadcasting live from the C3 Foundation office here in Fort Myers, Florida. I'd love to know where you guys are watching from. And if you're a first timer to the stream, welcome. And thank you for all the resubscribes and cheers that happened uh, during the intro. Uh, we appreciate that so much today. Um, so this week, we're going to talk about how to intentionally seek out successes on the Sinclair Method and why that is so critically important. And we're going to do that here today with Claudia Christian. We wanted to talk about this today because we see so many people who are struggling because they feel like they're failing, not doing well enough, or just simply messing up on the Sinclair Method, when the reality is they're actually doing really, really well, and they just don't see it. So if you guys have any questions while we're talking, if you have any suggestions that have helped you to learn to recognize your own successes along the way, please put those in the chat box so we can keep things interactive. And, um, and I'm sure those of you who tune in weekly can hear that my voice is not what it usually is. I'm fighting something. So um, definitely please help us out by commenting a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Jenny, Jenny's high on menthol and, uh, and battling a bronchial infection. So let's yeah. all let's all help her out here. Yeah, just because it's COVID doesn't make or it just because it's not COVID doesn't make it any uh, less troubling for me. It's uh, definitely been a week. So before we jump in, let me properly introduce our guest today. Just in case there's a new viewer who may not know who Claudia is, or if there's someone who only knows her for her acting and voiceover roles. So joining me today is our founder and CEO, Claudia Christian. Known in TSM circles as the most recognized advocate of the Sinclair Method, Claudia became a TSM activist in 2010 after using the method for her own drinking issue. She is the author of Babylon Confidential and Journeys, two books that show the power of the Sinclair Method. She launched the C3 Foundation, produced the award-winning documentary film One Little Pill, and delivered a powerful TEDx talk seen more than 3.5 million times. 
Claudia also created the Your Sinclair Method coaching program for people on TSM after earning her certificate certification, I can speak, as a national certified peer recovery support specialist. Claudia continues to act in television and film and has an active voiceover career. She writes fiction novels and teaches cooking classes in her spare time, all while passionately fighting for the rights of people around the world with alcohol use disorder. So let's welcome Claudia. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me here. And today's subject is um, its something very dear to my heart. I have seen uh, a lot of people um, struggling or thinking that they're struggling. Um, and I want to preface this by saying that whatever we say today uh, is, is in a completely non-judgmental way. If we get passionate about how ridiculous something sounds, it's only because we're trying to try to hold a mirror up. And I want to give you my own personal story, which is um, I did not really realize that I was doing any better until that three to four month mark, which I talk about in my TEDx talk, where I saw the billboard. And the billboard was a big glass of wine. And instead of triggering me to want to drink, that billboard registered in my brain as just a billboard. And that's that's the moment that I knew that I was normal. But I was not taking into consideration the fact that I wasn't binge drinking. So I ignored my, my own success. So I, I fell prey to this entire thing we're talking today about today. And that is I didn't I didn't give myself credit for the fact that I was drinking like a normal person for three to four months prior to this epiphany. So I, I was not binging. Now, prior to that, if I would have had any alcohol at all, I would have fallen into a binge. So the fact that I was drinking normally and lightly and only socially was huge, but it, but it still wasn't the thing that I thought was success. So I think that what happens is, and I've, I've spoken about this a lot before, is because the experience of, of addiction is traumatic because you do feel like you're hijacked by something else and you've lost control because that is traumatic i believe it's my opinion that the human brain does try to temper that trauma and and sort of glide over it so that we can heal but in doing so quite often we lose sight of our successes and i think that that's something important and jenny i'm glad that you decided to to have this subject today i think it's great yeah, and as we're talking, if any of the scenarios sound like something you have or could have written, um, I've intentionally not written anything down today. Any of the stories and scenarios we share back and forth are completely fictional compilations based on things we hear over and over and over and over again. So I promise you, no matter how much it resonates, we're not talking about a post that you have personally shared. Um, it's more of a generality of what we've seen shared over and over and over again. So while we're on the topic of success, Claudia, instead of our normal um, icebreaker, what, what's your big success for the week? <laughs> getting my remortgage done. <laughs> and uh, the backstory is that it's taken two years, literally. Um, so uh, yeah, I think no, my, my, my success, I'll tell you my success, Jenny. That's a really good question. My success is not getting upset about this last snafu um, 
for the process. I had yet another snafu this morning, which I thought I was done. And then the title company said they don't accept cashier's checks. <laughs> I was like, what? What? This is ridiculous. So it's been two years of hell, but I decided to take a SAMI, which is a supplement that's a, a, a uh, it has a, a natural um, uh, amino acid in it that as you get older, you stop producing. So it elevates your mood a little bit. And I thought, you know what, instead of getting starting to spin, I'm going to take a Sammy, go outside for a minute, breathe in a little fresh air prior to this uh, stream. And that was my success was not was deciding to take the, the, the calm road instead of the rocky road. And uh, I've been I've been doing that a lot to sort of make a choice to be happy. Uh, because, it, you know, just choose happiness, choose calmness and, and choose not to spin out and and calm myself down because there's no point in stressing yourself out. Stress produces illness, as we all know, it ages you, um, it makes you fatigued. So there's no point in going there, but sometimes it is quite easy to jump off the cliff very quickly. So I'm my success this morning at 6 a.m. was bringing it all back <laughs> and, and not jumping off the cliff with the rest of the lemurs. <laughs> well, and what I like about how you 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 first went with that very obvious win. Something that you've been working on for two years is coming to a close. Yeah. But then you realized that the real success, the 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 even bigger success, because the first one it's a success, but if anything, it's a relief. Yes. Uh, the real success was something much smaller that even you had to think about and. Or I, I wouldn't say smaller. It's much less obvious mm -hmm. that you stopped and you intentionally realized that, no, the success lies in how you handled it. Exactly. exactly. Um, and know, the I overall mean, picture, I got the remortgage. Right. This is one more bump in the road. So the overall picture, I'm, I'm, I wasn't focusing on that for a moment early this morning. I was like, <gasps> you know, and, but the overall picture is it's going to happen. It's happening. It's all good. But there's just this little one little bump. Right. I mean, for me, it's the, this week. I think my my success has just been that when I don't feel well, I tend to just not eat. And so I've been making sure I've been hitting a minimum number of calories, trying to make them as healthy as possible throughout the week and just ensuring that I'm not making it harder for my body to recover okay, from this. Yeah. Yeah, your body needs food, fuel. Yeah. So first, let's talk about the importance of the mindset that happens when you intentionally look for the success in a complicated situation like recovery. Well, first of all, you the, the, the very first thing you have to acknowledge and remember and constantly remind yourself of is you have decided to make a change. And that is right there, a massive success. Regardless of what happens after what I just said, the bottom line is you've decided to change your relationship to alcohol. And that is, that is massive. So if you start with that positive influence, it, that will influence everything else from that point on. But that is step one is just saying, okay, I'm acknowledging and patting myself on the back for wanting to make a change. And, and actually making a change. Focusing on the positive as a first line of defense is always going to set you up for even more success. 
you know, we have this tendency to beat ourselves up. And I know that that it's very interesting. My my mom said to me the other day, I, I, I said something to the effect of, oh, well, back when I was drinking, this would not have been easy, referring to something. And she said, well, you didn't like yourself back then. And I said, no, hold on a second. <laughs> I've always loved myself. I was just in a situation that was creating so much agony and pain in my life that it was hard to see the good things. It was really difficult to see. So I lost, I lost hope for a little while, but I didn't stop loving myself. I mean, the, 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 that, that's a very large comment to sort of grasp as the person but i understand a lot of a lot of people out there will look at their failure and i'm doing air quotes there or failures in recovery as an opportunity to to feel badly about themselves and to dislike themselves so once again if you focus on the positive you start with am i a good person yes do i love myself yes inherently i do do i have positive things in my life people who love me people who appreciate me a job a, a, a career a, a hobby children you start with all those positive things and you really ask yourself do these people want me to get better do i want to get better so it, you start small start with whatever you can muster up to just remind yourself of the basics which is you are a good person you are loved and you're willing to make a change great let's go from there you know, you need to have that solid foundation of, of self-respect and self-love. And honestly, to me, it feels like just the simple act of someone who has an off night or a struggle night, who comes into a peer support setting and says, hey, guys, I'm struggling. Like, talk about, like, would you have even looked at somebody and said, hey, I'm struggling? before you went on the Sinclair method? I mean, talk, talk about how even admitting that you, you need additional help and advice, talk about how that alone is a success. Oh, it's huge. I mean, we, we, are, we are expected to suck it up, to just quit, to or cut down or drink like a lady, or I mean, all of these things. Where, and, and so what we do is we push down all of that need for help. We push it down because everyone's expecting us, especially somebody like me who comes off as a competent human being. Everyone was like, oh, you'll get over it. So how am I supposed to ask for help? So I never did, I never asked for help. So to have this environment that we have now, which I'm so grateful for, where we have peer support, we have a TSM community, we have loving, helpful people who are supporting each other. But for that individual to step into a group of strangers or even people if they've been in the meeting before and say, you know what guys, I had a really bad night and I need your advice or I need your help. That's huge. That is a positive step toward recovery. And, and people don't even acknowledge that. And the nice thing is, is that sometimes it's easier to do it with strangers than it is with your own family and friends because with these strangers or these group of individuals that are in peer support, there is no judgment because they've all been there before, which which is the lovely thing about peer support. So for me, no, I mean, I, I, I never would have, I, I don't think I ever asked for help in the entire time I was struggling, nor did I say to somebody, you know, I just need a hug <laughs> or anything. And I think things have, times have changed. I think times have changed a lot for the better. It, it used to really be, um, especially if you're from an old school European background like me, it's, it's like, suck it up. Just, 
you know, carry on, as they say in England. <laughs> Keep calm and carry on. <laughs> yeah, you'll get over it, darling. Just just cut down, you know. It's like, woof. Yeah, it's it's a it's a whole different whole different world now. And and I think people should be secure in the knowledge that you can pop into any any peer support meeting and and you will be able to be completely free and honest. And and then there's another aspect to that, which is also something that I view as a success, especially when it's in the online stuff. You, a person will sit down and they will actually type out what that struggle is, which means they're thinking about it and they're introspecting while they're doing it. So talk about the difference in and how you can see that as a success just having the capability to be openly introspective about a rough night of drinking. Well, this is why I always encourage people to journal because accountability and introspective behavior, just looking inside and acknowledging what happened is in the subconscious, I believe that you are now resolving it. You're in, in the act of trying to resolve it. And by admitting it, you know, and you know, Jenny, how sensitive I am to this, but I, I can't stand it when when people use the catchphrase, you know, you're in denial. It's like it's the de denial thing. It, it, it really it drives me crazy because that is the human condition. If 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 the if the earthquake is coming. Your immediate fight and flight response is, it's not happening. No, 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 it's going to be fine. You know, and that is what happens when human beings are faced with trauma. So imagine something hijacks your brain and you're completely out of control and something's telling you to go buy booze at seven in the morning. Your fight and flight response is, no, no, no I'll be fine. Everything's going to be fine because you're, you're in panic mode internally. This is why people suffering from AUD have so much adrenaline in their body. This is why you, you get that, 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 that spiky feeling at three in the morning when the alcohol wears off and the sugar kicks in, that heart pounding, it, it's, it's awful. You're in a constant state of fight or flight. And so when you say you're in denial, no, we know that something's wrong. <laughs> we are well aware that something is wrong. But to act upon it by writing it down and even if that's in a journal and saying, you know, I, I, I had too much last night. I wonder if it's because X, Y, Z, or just think it over, write about it. And if you're doing it in the Facebook pages or on the forum, wonderful. That means you are not only being accountable, you're recognizing the change in behavior, but you're also asking for help. And, and even in a journal, in a way, you're asking your subconscious to heal you at night when you're sleeping. You're asking your subconscious to explain why did I drink too much? You might dream it, you might solve it in the morning and say, you know what, I don't need to speak to that friend at night because I know she's having wine and I was having wine and, and it, it, maybe that's related, you know, or I don't need to go out with that person because they drink too much or whatever it is, or I don't need that person to trigger me. You will come to the conclusion, you will figure out who is toxic in your life and what behaviors are toxic in your life and what behaviors and people are stopping you from reaching your goal in drinking in, in reducing your drinking. And this will all come to fruition, but it's gonna to come to fruition a lot faster if you continue to acknowledge and be mindful and accountable. And that means writing it down and asking questions. And the Sinclair method gives you a, you know, be, by taking away 
and that craving and by reducing the craving over time it gives you the mental and emotional bandwidth to actually do that and exactly. that alone is a success i think that's why and and i'd love to hear uh your thoughts on this but I think that's why we see so many people who will start the Sinclair method saying, nope, I just want the pill. I don't want to talk to somebody. I don't want therapy. I don't need counseling. I don't want anything. Just give me the pill. Let me find a doctor who will give me the pill and let me just do this. And then we see that after a few months, so many people will then say, you know, I actually did realize I've got this or that that I need to work on and I yeah. want to talk to somebody and they'll come back uh, and they'll usually email me a lot saying, so I don't see the TSM supportive therapists as yeah. often. Where where are they? And yeah. so uh, tell me your ideas on that and your experience uh, because, I mean, I'm sure you get that a lot as a coach. I do, but also just from my own personal experience, and we've discussed this before, Jenny, is that one of the things that I'm, I'm, I'm a little remiss about is the fact that I was uh, so focused on the biological aspect of addiction in the beginning of my journey. And I honestly thought, and mind you, there was no other options for me. There was no peer support or Facebook pages or forum or coaches, coaching page. Um, so I only had the pill in the book. And it did remove my cravings, which were the reason why I relapsed. So just right there, this was magical. And it was, it was phenomenal because cravings were my sole reason for relapsing. So I would say that for a person to, to, to think that, that in, uh, reason along those lines and say, you know, I just want the medication. I just want to undo the addiction in the brain. This is how I understand this works. That's fine. But once you are free of those cravings and once you, you can really calm that mind down and you're quiet within yourself, yes, a lot of self-reflection occurs because you're, you, you have the, the bandwidth, as you put it, to think and to process past traumas, past triggers, and what's happening in your life right now. And also you have the bandwidth to say, what do I want? in life and how am I gonna achieve that? And once your drinking is reduced and your cravings are diminished, it doesn't necessarily mean that 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 all of the of the of the past trauma or triggers or anything have been cleaned up. This is not an, a, a, a janitor that's gonna <laughs> wipe out all of the mess in your in your life. And you might also start to see your relationships with more clarity. And that's frightening. So to be able to then say, you know what, I've, I have my cravings under control. I've reduced my drinking, but I'm finding that my relationship with my spouse is really toxic. Now, what are you gonna do about that? And then you realize, well, maybe that's why I was drinking so much. I was, I was trying to check out, I was deadening the pain. So now you're gonna have to do some serious work on the relationship, on yourself, together, alone, so yes, at that point, you might want to reach out and, and, and get more support and more help. I see this in my, a lot of people, what happens is they'll go on TSM. Now, this is my typical scenario for a coaching session. I'll start and they'll say, okay, so I, I started TSM in 20, you know, 2016 and it worked really, really well. And I was on it for six months and everything was dandy and my marriage improved and my kids loved me again and my job was great, yada, yada, yada. And then 
I just sort of lost track and got lazy or life got in the way. You know, a lot of people, this happened before the pandemic, then the pandemic happened and they dropped TSM because they were self-medicating. So, so they'll, so they'll say, and then my drinking, I just stopped taking the medication and it escalated. And then I tried it again. And, and, and I, you know, worked for a couple of months and it's like, it worked for a couple of months, but I just don't think that I'm doing it right. And I'll say, okay, no, you're, you're doing it correctly, but you're not treating recovery as a whole. So let's, let's go back to, does the pill work for you on a biological level? Yes. Okay, great. So you've reduced your drinking and, and you've, you've, you've eliminated your cravings, but have you broken your habits? Have you changed your habits? Have you changed your relationships? Have you, have you, have you absolutely understood what a trigger is and what a memory is and what a craving is? And so all of these things come into play at that point and the person will say, okay, now I'm going to do TSM point two, you know, <laughs> the next level. And, and usually I would say over 90% of the time they have a far better experience the second time around. It, you know, it's interesting. I just got this guy yesterday that emailed me. He's been emailing me for about two weeks. I had a difficult time understanding how to get the medication. And, but boy, he is prepared. He downloaded the drink log. This is before he got the prescription, downloaded the drink log, read the book, looked at all the peer support, joined all the forums, joined everything. This is before he even got the pill. And then it was like fastidious. He got the medication started and it's he's off to the racetracks with all of this, this support and care. And he's loving it, loving it. Those are the people I have to tell, this is great. Just don't get burnt out. Right. Don't, don't, don't get burnt out. Don't lose focus. You know, when life starts to get in the way, you have, the, these are the people who have immediate results. Their drinking immediately decreases. It's like, oh, I'm cured. <laughs> you know, the first two sessions, he's, he's like, I'm done. I don't even, I didn't even finish the beer. And I'm like, hold on here, sports fans. Yeah, I don't know if you have had the time to go back and listen to the second episode that we did with Bruce Rose this season or not. But I asked him what the biggest um, challenge point is for people on the Sinclair Method. And they he said something very similar to what you're saying and describing right now. And he said, People try to do too much too fast and it's not sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. They t it's, it's not sustainable because first of all, A, let me give you huge credit for being enthusiastic uh, and, and for being committed. And, and, and that's a wonderful thing. Um, if things start to drop away, like the peer support meetings, um, or let's say you stop going on the forum make yourself make yourself one you know, one or two things that you won't stop whether it's the drink log app and and obviously medication adherence so so there's two things that you say you know what uh, no matter what happens i'm always going to adhere to the protocol the medication protocol and i'm always going to log my drinks that's fabulous and then if you can add it's like a menu now as a side dish <laughs> i would like to pop in once a week or twice a week to a meeting and so you just add add these little little side dishes onto your menu, your program, your TSM menu. But it's all customized. You might get a job uh, in Hong Kong or something, and the hours are suddenly it's impossible to join a meeting or whatever. Well, at least you got your drink log, and your medication, and 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 that that can be enough. So don't don't beat yourself up. 
you know, you, we all have lofty ambitions. Believe me, I thought once I was cured, I never imagined that I would relapse or that I wouldn't have. I was so fastidious about medication adherence. I was frightened to death if I didn't do it perfectly. And look, look what happened to me. I mean, it, you know, this is what happens when, when you don't have that really strong base of working on the other issues in your life and making it a complete and whole recovery. So in this context, um, it sounds like you're saying that when someone hits that initial plateau where they've dropped their drinking down and it, it's not where they want it, their end goal to be, right. but they have significantly or at least visibly reduced from where they started and then they hit a plateau, that's actually in many ways a success yeah. because it shows that now it's time to switch focus to something that you can be more controlled with. Exactly, like breaking habits and, and changing. This is a thing, you know, there, there'll be people saying literally, and, and you can all see this on the Facebook pages or in the forum, hi, my name's Bob, I'm 12 weeks in and I reduced my drinking by half, but now I'm stuck. <laughs> Whoa, hold on, Bob. 100% yeah. of the people see that as a negative. They no, see no, it as a reason to panic. They see okay. it as a reason to worry. Oh my God, am I getting used to the medication? Oh well, my yeah. gosh, is it just sudden? Does naltrexone suddenly stop working, stop working. once you've hit a and and it's like, no, this is you hit a plateau and you've recognized yes. that you hit a plateau. Yes, yes. This but, is actually something to celebrate because it's another turning point that you can control moving forward. Yeah, but how about celebrating the fact that you reduced your drinking by half in 12 weeks? <laughs> I mean, right. I mean, we've lost that whole thing, Bob. <laughs> you know? I mean, I had a gal say to me, oh my gosh, I'm on day 12 and last night I had four drinks. And I was like, okay, hold on, sweetheart. <laughs> you had the classic experience that I had, which was the first time we took naltrexone and drank, we couldn't finish the drink. The second time, we could only drink a quarter of a glass. The third time, we could drink a half a glass and on and on and on. Our ability to drink increased the longer we were on naltrexone. Our body was getting used to the medication. The initial wham, I have no interest in that, will dissipate for the majority of people. But once again, that's a success because guess what? You're a responder. So how about let's celebrating that? I always I always have to remind people, okay, let's start with the obvious. You're a responder. So now any fear that you had, if you were one of the micro percentage of individuals who don't respond to naltrexone, that fear is now alleviated. It's gone. Isn't that wonderful? Let's celebrate. Yay. Okay, second thing is you actually didn't finish a glass of wine your first time out. Fantastic. Thinking of the calories you saved and the, and the damage to your liver, <laughs> just in that one night that you didn't drink two bottles. Okay, let's go for another success. You know, the second day, you didn't drink as much either. So all of these things add up to success. And what happens is people have been suffering for so long that they have this idealized vision of starting a treatment. And this is the interesting thing, Jenny. You don't go into a 45-day or 60-day rehab and get ticked off by day eight that you're not better. You don't, you, you, because it's a mindset of we're in here for 45 to 60 days. So, so psychologically you've prepared yourself to, to have 45 days to two months to recover. But with TSM, 
even though people read the facts, the facts are it takes on average nine to 12 months for people to reach extinction. Even though they know that, they're looking at peer support and they're reading other people's stories and they're saying, oh, this person got better in three months. This person got better in six months. I should have been better by now. And you're 10 weeks in. Makes no sense, but it's human nature. And, and, and so that is, is part of the thing that we really have to knock home. And how much of this do you think is rooted in the fact um, that sobriety only, abstinence only based treatments are basically a pass fail system? You know, <laughs> alcohol, alcohol fail, no alcohol pass. Yeah. And so it, it's so black and white that you you are either succeeding or you're failing and there's no in between so it's cut and dry so talk a little bit about how again we're talking you have to be intentional in looking at you know there are so many successes that fall in a gray area with the Sinclair method we are all gray this I mean the Sinclair method does fall into it because your family and friends for a lot of people will say well if you're drinking that's that's just not acceptable and that is a failure in itself so you have to wrap yourself you have to wrap your own mind around the the reality of the the recovery mode that you've chosen and that you support yourself doing it and that you've committed to that mode of recovery regardless of any other influence you're getting negative or positive this is your journey i say that all the time to people this is not you know as much as you want your family's support this is your life it's your recovery it's your journey and the most important person in this entire thing is you you're the one looking in the mirror you're the one trying to understand your relationship to alcohol so in the sense that we've been we've been conditioned to think that any amount of drinking is failure in recovery. And a lot of people who come to me for coaching and a lot of people who come to you via email will say, I've been to AA and failed. I've been to rehab three times. I've done this. I'm scared. I'm scared because this is just so counterintuitive to me. We understand that. We understand that. But once you're in this and you've committed to it, there is no failure on TSM as long as you are adhering to the medication protocol. And, and that is the bottom line is, as long as you take the medication and wait an hour, you're succeeding. Whether you're drinking reduced that week or not. Yeah, because is, it's up and down. Like it I, is guaranteed it will be up and down. Yes, you should look at people's drink logs. This is why I encourage people to, to post not only the linear ones online. I want people to post the Super Bowl weekend, Halloween weekend, Christmas with my mother-in-law graphs. Please share your drink log graphs when they're bumpy because it's going to give other people hope. I mean, you've, you've been helping people for more than a decade. Have you ever met anyone whose TSM progress followed a linear uh, progression. I've I've met people who had classic beginner beginning responder. Like you, I just know that they're they're as long as they as long as they comply to the medication um, protocol, they're going to be fine because you can see the decrease. But these same people have had bumps, you know, once in a while, like a trip. They'll mm -hmm. they'll, you know, they'll have a classic extinction curve, and then they'll go to Spain and drink a lot. It doesn't mean that they've 
failed. This is not a failure. You ask somebody, and I've said this before, but people seem to forget. I was hard on myself when I had eight glasses of champagne in the fourth year on TSM on New Year's Eve. But they were little glasses of champagne or six or eight glasses of it. And I thought, why am I continuing to refill my glass? Then I realized I'd been there since 4 p.m. and it was now one o'clock in the morning. And normally, you know, I was at a party. And afterwards I had to say to myself that that is, don't beat yourself up. I wasn't drunk. I was drinking less than a glass an hour. I, I, I wasn't, you know, acting obnoxious. I was just simply going along the party and having champagne. And before the Sinclair method, what would that have turned into? You know what, before the Sinclair method, I would have been home alone on New Year's Eve drinking by myself because I was too embarrassed to be around people. Okay, so th th this is a completely different life I was living four years after starting it. No, I would have spent New Year's Eve probably drunk by 3 p.m., passed out by, by way before midnight. So yeah, or I would have made a fool of myself out with friends or whatever. So it was a massive improvement. But once again, even I lost sight of the fact that I was a normal drinker and I wasn't binging anymore four years into TSM. So it, it, it's the guilt and it's the, it's the association with fear. It's like, oh my God, am I, am I gonna go back there again? I don't wanna go back there again. We all have this inherent fear that it's not gonna work. And that's something you really have to get over. Listen, remind yourself that all the rest of the things you did didn't work. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here, you know. So, so you know, I don't want to get all Obi Wan Kenobi. This is your last hope on you, but, but the reality is, you've now committed to another way to treat this. So, the previous things didn't work. This one perhaps will. And look at the success rate of TSM. It's probably a lot higher than the last method you used to treat this. Yeah, it's always interesting to me that with AA's purported success rate of 5 to 15 percent, that people will latch on to, well, look at all the people that it's helped. And it has. I'm not saying that it hasn't. But yet they'll look at the Sinclair method, which even if we're conservative about that and say 70 to 80 percent, which is incredibly conservative. Yeah. Um, so that's, that is exponentially higher than a five to 15%. And everyone, everyone looks at AA at, well, I'm going to be that small minority, that five to 15% that it's going to work for and stick. But with the Sinclair method, people, well, what if I'm that 10 to 15% that it fails for? I know, I know. Or, or people will people will say to me in the first coaching session, well, what if I'm one of the people that don't genetically respond to naltrexone? And I'm like, okay, first of all, I've been doing this for almost 13 years. And I have met maybe one person and they were of a very specific genetic descent. They were not Northern or Western European. They did not have alcoholism in their family. You know, all the things that you have that point directly to the fact that you're gonna be just fine. Um, you know, literally, I, I think I've met, I've worked with maybe one, maybe two people. I can think of a woman who desperately tried uh, TSM for three years and ended up having to do baclofen instead. Um, so maybe two people in but, 13. Years. But still, you, what you just said, 
and then had to do something else instead. Yes, yes. So it's, yes. there are multiple medications out there. If yeah. for some reason you are simply not in the 78, 75 to 80% is really, I, I constantly ask our doctors that I chat with, so how, you know, what are your success rates? Are they in that zone that the science yes. says it should be? And most of them will say it's actually better. It's so, higher, yeah. um, yeah, when I think of all the people, yeah, when I think of, I, I kind of did a mental checklist the other day and, and went through um, a lot of the the emails of clients that I've worked with over the past decade. And it's interesting, the ones that, that dropped out because of non-compliance, um, a lot of them eventually came back after three, four years and, and went back on it and are doing fine. So I think that it's, which, which goes back to, a complete recovery. So, so once again, you're ready for change. You commit to TSM, it works for you, but you still haven't changed your habits or you still haven't changed your relationship to alcohol. You're still looking at, as, at, at, at it as your best friend, as something that provides romance or fun, you, or you're still hanging around with the same people and doing the same activities. And they're drinking escalated and then the medication protocol fell away and then they're full blown back into drinking too much. So I've seen that. I've seen people come and go out of the program. And I, I, I feel like part of recovery is and can be relapse. There are people who do TSM, commit to life, and they're done. There are people who do TSM and then life gets in the way because they haven't dealt with trauma or with their relationships that they currently have or all, all the underlying issues. And then they, they stop doing TSM. And, and then it comes back again, but they know that it works for them. That's the funny thing is it worked for me so well the first time. <laughs> it was like, yes, but you have to continue it for life. So, so I think that there's, there's so many components that go into a complete recovery. And sometimes it might not just be the, 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 the perfect time for a person to have that amount of freedom from their self-medication tool. And, and because then, then they're really faced with the barrage of, oh my gosh, these are the things I've changed in my life. And that, that is, let's go back to that. That's the beauty of somebody who does take nine to 12 months to reach extinction. Because if you're doing the work, as they call it, along with the medication protocol, then at the same time that you're undoing addiction in the brain, you're learning new coping skills. You're talking to people in peer support. You're getting coaching. You're working on your past issues. And by the end of that year, and by the way, what if you were losing weight? You know, you don't expect to lose your 50 pounds in 10 weeks, right? People are fine losing a half a pound a week on diets or a pound a week. They're fine with that. It takes a year for people to lose a substantial amount of weight. You're, you're, you're really, you're getting rid of the alcoholism. I mean, for gosh sake, yeah. this is something that took years and years and years to rewire your brain in, in that, in that manner. And so now you're slowly undoing all of that. Yeah. One of the ways that I like to phrase that just because I know some people will bristle at any perceived AA terminology and, yeah. and doing the work can sometimes yeah. bristle people. I call it learning to work as a partner with the TSM process because right. in, in effect that's what it is you're in you 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 have three choices 
you can try to just let the pill do everything. And we've seen how that only gets a person so far. Right. You can work against the process by drinking through the naltrexone, um, putting yourselves in situations that you know are the most difficult for you to deal with. Um, you know, at, or you can you can choose to do what you can to work alongside it and to partner with the process and to help it along by looking at triggers, by looking at habits, by ide- identification. People overlook the power of identifying. That's funny you say that. I call it discovery and I identification. I don't call it the work with my coaching clients. I say this is the discovery and investigation part of, of it. Yes, you investigate. And, and there's as long as a person is being completely honest with themselves mm-hmm. as they are investigating, as you call it, as, as most of our coaches call it, the why. Mm-hmm. Why, why is, you know, why am I doing this? Why is, why did, why did I struggle in this situation? Why do I feel the guilt over having a bad night last night? When you can start looking at at figuring out exactly what it, that why is. Why do I need a third glass of wine? Whatever your answer, <laughs> as long as you are brutally honest with yourself, there is yeah. no wrong answer because you cannot fix a problem you cannot identify. Exactly. And, and, and when you're in that discovery, investigation, identification mode, like much like a, a you know a detective you're really unraveling things with no there should be no judgment because this is your own private enterprise this is why i encourage people to journal and to write things down if you meditate or if you pray whatever that is the time that you spend by yourself to really be brutally honest as jenny says because there's no point in in denying things or or covering them up when it's just you and a piece of paper there's 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 no point this is how you get deep into the why of your behavior. And it's also where you will discover links to things. You know, if you drank over at Uncle Teddy's uh, on Wednesday night, and then the following week in your journal, I drank too much at Uncle Teddy's last night. You know, wow, we've got a link there. Why do you drink so much at Uncle Teddy's? You know, let's let's investigate that. Let's figure out why. So, you know, it's it's the more honest you are, the more thoughtful you are, the more you investigate, the more you identify, the more you discover things about yourself, the faster you're going to get to the point where you will recognize your relationship to alcohol and and when you're using it as a coping mechanism. Back to successes though. (laughs) Yeah, so back to successes. I want you to find the successes in this scenario because we see this a lot. We'll see people who start the Sinclair method. And a lot of times it's people who have, I would say, adult children or older children at home. And they'll say something along the lines of, okay, I, I'm on the Sinclair method. My son or my daughter is graduating or from college or getting married or, or something like that where it's a huge event. And so it's two months from now and I'm going to get my alcohol, 
use disorder under control with the Sinclair method so that I can show up for that big day and not have not have an issue. And so they they very intricately and specifically will have their thoughtful, mindful uh, extinction sessions at home by themselves. They will reduce greatly. They will start looking at other things. They will set up their drinking trial runs in the most ideal situations. Then the big day comes. They do not go overboard, but they still drank more than they wanted to. And so now they feel bad about it because they didn't have a problem when they were doing their test runs at home. In fact, <laughs> they were doing excellent. <laughs> so talk about the successes. Well, first of all, that's the, that, that's the six to eight glasses of champagne on New Year's Eve. That's, that's the same scenario. But the successes that that individual achieved are huge. First of all, they had a mission. They stuck to that mission. They had an idea in their mind. They, they stuck to the protocol. They made tremendous effort in, in, in really planning this, this mission to accomplish the end goal of not making a fool of themselves or to not embarrass anybody at that event including themselves. So the success is I committed to something, I committed to change, I respected myself, I, I, had a, I had a clear, clear outcome that I wanted to achieve. I stuck to the medication protocol. I even went to places and tried it out. Now, mind you, you went to very ideal places. So it wasn't a party, it wasn't a wedding, there wasn't the stressors of people who might trigger you. There wasn't the festives probably scenarios. Maybe you went to lunch with a friend and had a glass of wine. That's a perfect scenario. That's not a wedding. It's not, there's not a lot of social stress around that, 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 but you did it anyway. You tested this, you tested yourself. You even put yourself outside. You weren't just drinking at home. You said, okay, I'm going to do some scenarios drinking at home. You did multiple scenarios. You made a plan and you stuck to the plan. You had motivation, you had compliance, you, you, had, you, you respected your, the whole goal of it and the whole ethic of it, the protocol of it. I mean, you really did great. And guess what? You didn't pass out. They didn't have to stick you in an Uber at 8, 8 p.m. You didn't make a pass at the groom. You, you, know, you just drank a little bit more than you wanted to. That's okay. That's okay. That's a success. And... You talked about a lot of other elements um, that I'm I'm going to solidify into one additional success, and that's you found how to set yourself up for ideal extinction sessions. Yeah. So, what were the positives that you that you did? How did you set that up? How, what did what buffers did you put in place? that kept those mindful extinction sessions in control, in your control, so that you were the one driving when, how much, and when to stop. Yeah. Because now you have all of those tools that you can use 
to one by one move from those ideal drinking situations to the more complex ones like being out in you know at a at a reception with an open bar and a bunch of people maybe refilling your drinks and doing that stuff for you so being a, able to identify what your ideal surroundings are that help you to maintain your control that alone is a huge success that's a huge success and what about the lesson that you learned at the open bar when people were pouring double shots that lesson you can take home and say you know what next time i'm going to tell the bartender to just pour light just do a single shot or next time i'm going to say no i'd like to finish my glass of wine before it's refilled so i can count my drinks so you've learned lessons too and that's a success that's yeah. a real success any scenario that you can walk away learning something from yeah is a success absolutely absolutely so we are just about out of time the audience which has been crazy international for us today let me zap back up through our uh back through our thing here you know we we've we've got you know wales and the U and um wales and england and and we've got canada and the netherlands and hungary all we're all represented today in our in in our chat area which is awesome um so that was that was great to see everybody out there today um so we are so glad that you guys spent the last hour with us um and i'd love to hear what advice you guys are taking from today uh so go ahead and put that in the chat uh, and join me in thanking our wonderful guest, Claudia Christian. Claudia, do you have any last words for the audience before we end the show? Um, my last words are anyone who's going through um, this right now and who's on TSM or in any form of recovery in hopes of reducing or stopping drinking, please try to be nice to yourself and be kind to yourself and, and focus on the successes and not the failures. We already have enough societal pressure telling us that we're bad people and that we're morally wrong and that we're lazy or, or incompetent or, or that we're bad. You don't need to add to that pile. So take a moment in the morning to reflect on the positive things that are in your life and the positive aspects of yourself that you love and admire. And as hard as it is, because there is, you know, there, there, there can become a lot of uh, mistrust of your own ability as a human being to be good when you're suffering from something like this. Just try to calm yourself and take the time to say, you know what, I can do this. I'm a good person. I have a good heart. I'm kind. I'm loving. I'm generous. Whatever you think your attributes are, maybe you're a good mom, a good dad, maybe you're a good student, maybe you're a good employee, maybe you know you you helped somebody the other day. Just focus on that and it's going to make everything a little bit easier. But it all, all starts within and celebrating your successes also means celebrating yourself and really being kind to yourself and loving yourself. Yeah, I mean, and I get it. We both do. It's hard. I mean, there's a reason why the phrase my own worst enemy is ubiquitous throughout uh, our culture um, because it's so easy to do. But yeah. and, and because it's easy, that's why 
we really have to be intentional about yeah. looking for our successes because it's so easy and natural for us to overlook them. Yeah. You know, so start talking to yourself the way you would talk to the person you love the most. Yeah. Yep. Good advice. So audience, let's go ahead and fill that chat area with some gratitude for Claudia today. If you guys came in late or you want to share or watch the stream again, we're going to have today's video up on our website, YouTube, Vimeo, Anchor, and Spotify by Monday afternoon. <laughs> and as soon as we're able to, we'll add the transcripts and closed captioning as well. Next week, we are going to be joined by Stephanie Sinclair Lappy from She's one of our C3 Foundation board members, and she's going to join us to talk a little bit about her father's work and his legacy. So, guys, if you have any questions for Stephanie, just start thinking of them now. You can email them to me. Um, you can send me a message. Uh, just, you know, would love to welcome Stephanie to the stream. Um <clears throat> If you guys have found value in this broadcast, we hope you'll hit the donate button in our profile or head to our website to make a donation at c3foundation.org donate. You can follow our channel to get broadcast alerts and subscribe to our channel to go ad free and get some bonus emoji to use. If you're an Amazon Prime member, you can subscribe for free through Amazon Gaming. If you'd like to suggest a guest or a topic for a future broadcast, We've got a link to a Google form that we'll drop in the chat. You can also find the link on our main schedule page on our website. And if you're on the Sinclair Method and you're looking for more peer support or you just want to join the C3 Foundation community, we've got you covered with groups on Facebook, Discord, and the Options Save Lives forum. So that's it for today. We hope you have a wonderful weekend. Be gentle with yourself and with others. And I'll see you again right here next week on Twitch at noon Eastern. Bye, everybody. You've been watching the Options Save Lives weekly live stream, hosted by Executive Director Jenny Williamson and produced by the C3 Foundation with the support of R Street Institute and other generous supporters. For more information about the C3 Foundation or the Sinclair Method, visit our website at c3foundation.org. If you have a question you want answered live on air, to make guest suggestions, or to support the show, let us know. You can reach us through our website, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or on Discord. Join us each week as we continue to discuss more ways to help you build a better relationship with alcohol or to eliminate it completely. Because recovery from alcohol use disorder is not a one-size-fits-all process. Options are available. And options save lives. Mm -hmm.